This week on the Docs to Dads podcast, I'm sharing lessons from the business world that apply to our domestic C-suite too. As we work together with our partners to build a life for ourselves and our children, there are many business practices that might serve us well at home too. I share three of them this week on episode 35 of the Docs to Dads podcast. Hello and welcome to the Docs to Dads podcast, a health and wellness resource for any dad looking to actively engage with their health, the health of their children, and building a stronger, healthier community around their family. Each week, Dr. Scott, a board-certified pediatrician, will explore topics relevant to child health and how dads can be an active participant in their growth, development, and other issues that affect children and the whole family. Welcome back to the Docs to Dads podcast. I am happy to be back with you this week for episode 35. I can't believe we've had 35 episodes of this show already, and I'm just so thankful to those of you out there taking this journey with me. Uh, one of my projects over the last few weeks uh, has been to really start thinking a bit about where I want to go with Docs to Dads over the next six months. We've been doing this for six months now, uh, and I've really enjoyed bringing this show to you. Uh, Every week we've covered such a wide variety of different topics that I hope that you found very meaningful. I know I've learned a lot uh, about being a dad just from making this show for you and being being able to sort of put all of these concepts together, and and it's really been a joy for me. Uh, But I've really been thinking about where do we go next? How can I better serve you dads out there finding joy in your role as dads, even on those days when it's a lot of work? Uh, and there are some tough days, and I certainly know that. Um, but I've been diving into some business books uh, lately to help me uh, sort of develop a service that will meet the needs of dads out there who are like you. Uh, you want to be the best dad that you can be. You want to teach your kids to be successful in life, not just financially, but how do you find joy and how do you become a good person? Uh, and so talked last week about making the most of summers with my kids. Um, And so this weekend, uh, I took my kids up north uh, here in Michigan. uh, And because I had an extra day off on either end, uh, compared to my wife, I made that four hour drive uh, with both kids uh, as the only driver. So I took the kids up uh, a day early and my wife followed the next day. uh, And then my wife had to leave a day before the rest of us. uh, And we're just getting back today. Um, And so since there was no one there to talk to, kids napped most of the way, which was good. And there was no one else to control the radio. I listened to an audiobook, uh, and that was really good for me. Uh, so those of you who are already subscribed to the Docs to Dads newsletter know what book that was. I'm going to hold you in suspense for just a little longer. If you haven't made time to jump over to docstodads.com and check out all the great stuff over there and sign up for the newsletter, now's as good a time as any. You should go ahead. Do it right now. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I can wait. I'm here. How am I supposed to bring you bonus content and support you as a dad if you aren't getting the newsletter? The podcast is just the bare minimum, but we don't do the bare minimum, not in our community of dads. We go all out. So go over, go ahead, jump over there, docstodads.com, sign up for the newsletter. I'll be right here when you get back. Just push pause, go do it, come back. I'll be here. All right. Uh, so the the book that I read, thanks for, thanks for accommodating that little uh, flight of fancy. The book that I read or listened to on this trip up north uh, was called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and Tal Roz. 
And I learned a lot from this book. Uh, it's written primarily by a man who was an FBI hostage negotiator uh, and sort of just sharing some of the common misconceptions and myths about business negotiations, things that he's learned along the way, different tips and tricks to sort of be effective when trying to negotiate for the best possible deal. And one of his primary premises, as you might guess from the title of the book, is not to split the difference. So he makes the argument that uh, a bad deal is worse than no deal. And so you have to be prepared to walk away. There's a lot of really interesting things that come from this book. But one of the things that really stuck out to me, sort of zooming out a little bit from this book and, and other business books that I've read recently, is just how applicable a lot of this negotiation advice and business advice is to our relationships at home, you know, and maybe because I'm somebody who's trying to build a business that's based on improving family relationships and helping dads find joy and all these kinds of things, you know, I, I see ways to improve relationships everywhere in every book that I read. And, and this one, certainly, it's right there. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes by Malcolm Gladwell in a TED Talk that he gave once, he said to a worm in a horseradish, the world is a horseradish. And so <laughs> it's sort of a, a commentary on, on your perspective, right, that y- you see what you're looking for, um, right? And, and so when you really start looking for something, you can kind of see it all around. Um, so I thought it would be fun this week to just dive into three ways that I think your family can be run similar to a business, calling this the sort of domestic C-suite. So how do you and your wife think about the way that you run your family? uh, And are there certain business practices that you can use to help do that a little bit more effectively and make you know, your relationship stronger with your wife, but also make you more effective parents for your kids uh, and those kinds of things. So um, let's start there. And and that's actually number one. Number one is sort of seeing the parents as the executive board of the family. And this is sort of a joke I've made all along, like since I first got married, when somebody would ask me if I was free to do something or if I wanted to go and be a part of something. I One of my jokes is that I needed to run run that past the executive board, which basically meant obviously that no decision I make uh, happens in a vacuum. And so I need to have a discussion uh, with my wife. And this is particularly important now that we have kids to make sure that we have uh, childcare arranged and and those kinds of things if that's necessary. Uh, And so it comes back to sort of all of these decisions that are high level decisions needing to be made in a transparent way by the executive boards, right? So that uh, we're working together on all of these really important decisions that are being made and that parents should really be seeing themselves as working together toward a mutually beneficial end, right? So just like the the board of a company is sort of making high-level decisions about what's in the best interest of the company and how do we move everything forward in a way that's in the best interest of our employees and our clients and shareholders and whoever else may be involved in the business you know, parents are thinking about that sort of at a, at a smaller scale. How do we make decisions that help us move forward as a family unit, but also help our children grow in whatever way that we're trying to work with them? And how do we make sure that we're investing enough in our relationship as the parents uh, to make sure that we're moving forward? And for those of you out there who may not still be together with your kid's mom, raising a good child who shares your values and will be successful in life is still an end worth coming together to achieve. So there's still 
you know, it's a slightly different relationship, obviously, in a number of really important ways. But that end goal, at least as it relates to the child and trying to get them to a particular place, holds. And so I think it's still worth thinking about when there are issues related to your child, uh, that you do make decisions as much as possible in a transparent way. But this is particularly true if you are still in a relationship or married to your kid's mom, right? Because then you're not just raising children, you're building a life together. And so decisions about where to live and what jobs to take and when and where are we going on vacation and when and for how long can the in-laws stay in town and all of those kinds of things need to be decided at a top level with full transparency uh, and open communication. And I think that's a really important aspect of this. And there will be different aspects of family life, just like within the executive board or the C-suite. There's People have different responsibilities, different parts of the business. You and your partner will have different areas of family life that you sort of take primary responsibility for at different seasons of life. And even that may change, obviously, over time. And in the end, you're working together on all of them. But you have to be pulling in the same direction or you're going to have conflict And that's not to say that all conflict is bad, right? Conflict can be good. Uh, You know, some of the best companies are made up of boards that have people with different perspectives, different points of view that are sort of all trying to work together. And when you can harness that effectively, that can even lead to even better outcomes than any one person together, right? And so we certainly see this a lot in marriage where I'm learning a lot from from my wife and, and she's learning things from me and you know, one of the ways that that we've sort of dealt with conflict is, you know, early in our marriage, one of the conflicts that we had was that I have sort of a laid back personality. And so there were a lot of issues that were coming up, but they were even more frustrating for my wife because I was seeming to be very passive about it. And my wife would bring up an issue. um, And I didn't always express a strong opinion, even though I had one. Uh, My wife sometimes perceived this as either a lack of ambition on my part or Um, She thought that I didn't care about these issues that she was raising and that I was content not pursuing solutions to them, like they were fine just the way they were. In reality, I'm just somebody who needs a little more time to consider options and think through issues. Um, But now I have learned from that um, to try to think out loud a little bit more with her so that she can hear my priorities, hear what I'm thinking about uh, related to these problems, how I think we can work towards a solution. We can kind of put forward different ideas about how to solve the problems the most important thing that's come from that is that I'm able to express that it's also something that I'm concerned about, express that it's also something that I want us to make some progress on, even if we haven't sort of arrived at a goal yet. And then we can have some open dialogue, open communication back and forth about that. And so we try to do that with any sort of major decision that's being made uh, within our family. Um, And even a few days ago, I sort of We're getting to the beginning of a new academic year, so starting to think a little bit about during this academic year, when are we going to use our vacations and where would we like to go? And we have a baby coming. How much of our vacation time do we want to use for time with after baby's born? Um, And then beyond that, is there a particular place we want to go all together as a family? Is there a particular place we want to go as a couple, just her and I, to spend time together? And these are all decisions that we can sort of throw out there and are just part of our regular sort of executive board meetings where we talk about how are we doing financially, how are we doing in our relationship, and we sort of have these touch points 
to figure out how things are going and and really see the big picture and talk about the big picture together. Uh, Number one, parents as the executive board of the family. Number two, emotional regulation. Uh, So this was a really key takeaway from Never Split the Difference. At one point, the authors write, if you can't control your own emotions, how can you expect to influence the emotions of your counterpart? So they're talking about your counterpart in a negotiation that's taking place, whether that's a hostage negotiation like they were doing in the book, or whether it's a business negotiation that somebody who would normally read this book is part of. But certainly, this is going to be really important to your role as a dad. And I I talk about this uh, a little bit um, in other episodes as well. Um, But if you can learn how to keep your own emotions in check and seek not to win conversations or to win interactions with your kids or with your partner, but instead you're seeking to have some kind of mutually beneficial outcome, right? Then you're going to have more success in all of your relationships at home, both your relationship with your wife as well as with your kids. And so just like exploding in an important work meeting is unlikely to yield positive results, see episode 33 of the podcast for my embarrassing story about that topic, blowing up at your wife or your kids when they do something that you find upsetting or when things go wrong at home is going to be even more catastrophic because that's a person that you live with and you have to sort of have higher stakes for repairing that relationship, right? And so if you can learn to just hold your tongue and lean into the silence for a few minutes, then that emotional regulation is going to take you a very long way. The difference between a reaction and a response can be just 60 seconds of silence. So when something is happening and you're finding it difficult and you're feeling those sort of early sensations of of anger or frustration or whatever it may be, if you can bite your tongue and just lean into that silence, let some time pass, take a deep breath, and then figure out what is my response to this situation? Not just reacting to it, but how should I respond? That's going to be your most effective path forward, right? And it's clear that in in business meetings, this is the case, right? We've all uh, been in situations where we've seen people kind of lose their head in, in a meeting and, you know, that doesn't work very well, right? We're not going to build very effective relationships at work, either with our clients or with our uh, colleagues, if we're sort of developing a reputation for somebody who flies off the handle at any little thing, right? And so the more that we can sort of keep our emotions in check, the more effective we're going to be. And especially when you're getting to the point where you're talking about things like negotiations, right? The less you can sort of put on and the more that you can control your own emotions, the more likely you are to be able to guide the person you're negotiating with to the outcome that you're trying to strive for. But if you lose your head you get offended by something that, that somebody says in a meeting or offended by something that somebody says in an email and you like fire back some hot-headed explosion of a response, then you're not going to get anywhere. And that is definitely the case uh, in your home life as well. And so giving yourself that time, that 60 seconds of silence to just pause, and it will seem like a very long time. And you might find that your emotions come under control sooner than that, in which case respond when you feel ready. But don't be afraid to take that time and just step away for a minute and then come back and respond. Because you're going to do more damage with an explosive reaction than whatever the situation is. The primary exception to that would be a situation where 
there's an acute safety concern, right? And you need to go and make sure that your kid is safe. They're not going to do anything that hurts themselves, those kinds of things. But pretty much other than that, any reaction that you have is going to only cause problems. Again, I could share stories about this, uh, but there's a whole episode 33 where I talk about my personal experience blowing up in a, an important business meeting and how that doesn't go very well for me and my journey to uh, emotional regulation and, and all the ways that that's important. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode from a couple of weeks ago um, and you'll hear the, f- the full story there. So number two, emotional regulation. Keeping your head in situations uh, will make you more effective and lead to more success. And then the third one that stuck out to me from this book is don't be afraid to dream. So one of the quotes from the conclusion of Never Split the Difference that really stuck out to me, it was related to planning for a negotiation. So the author makes the case, which makes sense to me, that before you go into something that you know is going to be a negotiation, that you should plan ahead for like, what are the challenges that are going to come up? What do we think the other side is going to bring as sort of hesitations or problems with the plan that we're putting forward? And if we can plan ahead, then we can have some idea of what we hope the outcome will be. But the authors warn not to be so sure of what you want, that you won't accept something better. And this really struck me that sometimes you might go into a situation and you have a desired outcome and you're so focused on getting that desired outcome that you're not really listening to the other person and you might actually have found a more beneficial outcome to that negotiation, whether it's a a business deal, you could have gotten something a little bit more, paid a little less or or been able to receive a little bit more compensation depending on what it is. Uh, But because you were so focused on what you wanted to get out of the deal, you didn't notice the information that would have been key to getting something better. And that really sort of hit a chord with me in terms of planning our life as a family. I think sometimes we get so caught up in sort of the day-to-day, just trying to get to the next milestone, the next thing. You know, we just get really busy um, and we might miss opportunities uh, to dream a little bit. And if we can work together with our partners, wherever you are in life, you know, even if things are a struggle right now, bills are piling up, maybe you're working at a job that you don't necessarily love. You know, if you work together in your domestic C-suite and build out a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, where do we want to be? What are the little decisions that we can be making today, minute to minute, that can help us sort of steadily make progress towards that goal so that we're not stuck in the same cycle five years from now, 10 years from now? You can still give your kids a great life too, even in this moment, even if you are just barely making it work, especially if you are intentional about working together toward that same dream with your partner. And this is something that I makes me think of my parents. Uh, when I was reading this book and l- listening to this book, it brought up a lot of uh, emotions in me about my parents. You know, both of my parents worked to support our family of four. Uh, I remember they told me uh, after I got a little bit older, they always had wished that they could have more kids, but they didn't think they would be able to afford it with the jobs that they had. And so they decided just to have my brother and me. And I remember sort of feeling sad about that. I have a, a great relationship with my brother and sometimes, you know, think about what life would have been like if there had been more than just the two of us. Obviously, 
you know, there's pros and cons at every level. I feel very, you know, attached and connected to brother and I love him very much, but it always just made me sad that sort of that part of their dream couldn't come true. But one thing that they did do is try to build special moments for us as a family. You know, I never went without as a kid, but my parents did sometimes to give my brother and me these sort of special moments. And some of those were sort of little things along the way, you know, music lessons, soccer equipment, traveling for extracurriculars, those kinds of things. But they also worked really hard to engineer special moments for our family. And so uh, the smaller moments of those were like family vacations in the summer to, to SeaWorld. And that was a really big deal that my parents would save up enough for us to go down. We'd stay in a hotel. We'd go to SeaWorld and see the animals. And this was something uh, that my brother, my brother's a big animal lover. He particularly really um, loved these trips. And, and I loved just getting that time with my family. And then there were a couple of times where my parents were able to save up enough to take us to Disney World. And those trips obviously were were tons of fun for us as a family. And I could tell even in those moments how much joy it brought my mom to be able to do that for us as a family. And and my dad too, but my mom was somebody, she loves Disney too. But just creating those moments for us and the work that they put in, my mom and dad, to save for those trips and to be able to take us on those trips, I know was really special to them. And one thing I know now that I didn't know then was that the job my mom was working, uh, one, we needed it as a family because that's where we got our health insurance and other benefits. Um, it was sort of the more stable income um, for our family. But she didn't really like that job uh, all that much. She, there were parts of it that she enjoyed, but there it was a lot of stress on her. It caused her a lot of, of distress. There was a lot of challenges in that job, but she knew that we needed it to do a lot of these things um, and she didn't want my brother and I to go without. And all the more she wanted to sort of make these special moments for us as a family. And that was really her main motivator. And so even in those moments when my parents were struggling a little bit financially and they were we were living paycheck to paycheck or just barely, they had a dream of what we were working towards and they would make little cuts along the way and we'd make things work and they just did such a nice job of sort of creating these moments for us but they wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for their relationship and working together to make a plan and execute that plan the best they could and now you know my parents have been married for almost 40 years um, and they are just a huge inspiration to me on my journey uh, in my marriage and the way that I think about my relationship with my wife and the way that we work together on our goals, the respect that they showed each other in the decision-making process, and also to my brother and me when we were older and able to sort of contribute ideas and those kinds of things. is a big part of the family life that I was brought up in and a big part of the family life that uh, I'm trying to build for my family. And so all of those special moments that they built for us started with them daring to dream. So number three, dare to dream. Well, Dad, uh, those are the three ways that I thought of, uh, of how there are business ideas that can be applied to your domestic C-suite. 
Uh, are there any other sort of business strategies or, or concepts that you think work well in how you design your family life, the way that you think about your relationship with your partner or with your kids? I'd love for you to share those with me on uh, social media or uh, via email at docstodadspod at gmail.com. I'll certainly be sharing more of my takeaways from some of these business books, and we'll probably do a couple of book club episodes on some of my favorites of these books as we go through uh, the Docs to Dads podcast. I'd love to hear from you if there's a particular issue that you're struggling with uh, in your dad journey, or if there's a business book that you particularly love and have, have gotten a lot out of, I'd love to hear that from you as well. You know, how can we be successful as dads if we don't have other dads in our community who are there to encourage us and, and make us better and have us keep working together? And that's part of what I want to do uh, here with Docs to Dads. So uh, I can't do that without you, and I'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing here at Docs to Dads. Uh, thanks, as always, to Phil Raban for the work that he does editing and producing the podcast and promotional materials. I'm really thankful to him, as always. Uh, we will see you next week on the Docs to Dads podcast. Until then, remember that what you do as a dad matters. Keep building healthier dads, happier kids, and stronger communities. The information included in this podcast and other Docs to Dads platforms is intended for your education and entertainment only. It is not intended as medical advice and should not replace a relationship with a primary care pediatrician or other provider who will give the most appropriate recommendations for your individual situation.